Hey, everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald, and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're going to find two things in this feed in this season. You're going to find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois, and you're going to find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly, and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're going to find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible-teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. All right, let's get to the Bible together. We're in the book of Acts. And we've been studying it for quite a while now, and today's message is very practical, and I think it is going to really help you in your life. I have uh, been really stirred by it as I've been studying it this week. Um, I want to just read you. We're at the very end of Acts 15, so I want to read from verse 36 all the way through the end of the chapter. Uh, it's a short little section, but I think it's going to be powerful. We're in Acts 15, 36 through the end of the chapter. I'm going to read you the word, and then I want to tell you what I want to talk about. If you're there and you're ready to hear the word of God this morning, Sam, ready? It says this, Acts 15, and starting in verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought it best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Tell the message today is fight God's way. Tell the message is fight God's way. We want to talk about conflict, and we want to talk about how to handle and deal with and navigate and live into the inevitable inner human conflicts that we face in marriage, at work, with parents, with extended family, with people around us, with people on Facebook, whatever the thing is. We want to engage with conflict in a way that honors God and a way that uh, makes things better for ourselves and for other people around us. Um, if I'm being honest, this is one of the places where often people of faith struggle for a variety of reasons that we'll get into in the message. And so that's what the message is about today. Uh, Lance, come here, bud. You're going to help me at the start of the message today, and then uh, we're going to be done with you. We're going to try to frame it this way. Come on, come on. So uh, it's Halloween. Come on, come on, come on. It's Halloween. I love Halloween. Um, anybody, like, secretly love Halloween? Yeah, yeah, okay. A few people, yeah. Uh, the people, that, most of them, they're not here. They were at a, some kind of gathering last night in, like, some kind of cat costume, and they're going to try to make it for 1045, probably, yeah. Um, I love... Love, love, love. My favorite Halloween candy is these, they call them bullseyes. Do you know these? They've got like the caramel on the outside and the cream on the inside. They're especially good if you put them like in the fridge or they get a little bit cold and they have like a little bit of like a crunch to them. Uh, and it's the same. Every year I will, I put a whole bag down like on the weekend around Halloween and then that's it. I never think about them again or eat them again. It's kind of like a one time only in the year kind of thing for me. Is that too much confession? Am I losing all my appreciation? Yeah, I, uh, I love these. They're like my favorite. Now, anybody like with me? Anyone like this candy? Anybody? I got a few people. Okay, and anybody like, no, that wouldn't make like my top 20. Anyone like, no? So it's funny. I was talking to Lance. Lance is a big candy guy, as you can tell. Uh, big, big, big candy guy. And uh, Lance was telling me before the service, 
he was like, Pastor, I love you, and I, and I, I appreciate the fact that I get to be in the sermons. Uh, and, and I think, you know, when I'm getting dressed on Sunday morning, I think, like, what can I wear? Because I'm going to be on the stage today. I want to look good and all this. He thinks. And he, he said to me, you know, the thing is I hate those bullseyes. I saw you had them. I, I saw you had them in the pulpit, and I've seen you post about them on Instagram before. I just got to tell you, I hate those bullseyes. And so between you and me, like, I want to be your friend. I want to be part of the church. I want to, like, I want to be useful, and, and I want to always wear those pants and the sneakers where you can see my ankles on Sunday mornings. And I just, I'm a handsome guy, and, and I'm, like, softly, you know, advertising the fact that I'm, like, love the Lord, and I'm looking for the right person. I want to do all that stuff, Pastor, but here's the thing. I hate those bullseyes, and I just can't do it with you if you're going to keep going with that candy. I, I love Reese's. I'm a Reese's person through and through. I love the peanut butter, Pastor. That's what he was, all this he was saying to me in the hallway before the service. You saw, and he was saying... If you're going to keep on saying that the bullseyes are the best Halloween candy, I'm done with you. And so unfortunately, I had to kind of decide, you know, like, my friend or this candy, you know. And uh, I think you can imagine, you're good, I think you can imagine what I, what I went with. The reason we can laugh, uh, the reason we can laugh is dumb, simple disagreement is easy. But sometimes we get into things with people that hurt so much that if I brought up a person's name or someone's face came on the screen or you like won't drive that way through your neighborhood because you don't want to think about that person. Sometimes the stuff that breaks with people hurts so bad that we don't know how to deal with it. And that's what's happening here. It's pretty amazing what's happening. So we've been studying Saul, uh, Paul and Barnabas, and these guys went on this trip all over uh, the Mediterranean area and started churches. And we've been studying for weeks how they were preaching the Bible and being persecuted and standing strong through the persecution, and God was doing amazing things, and they did it together. And you learn as you go through life often that the people that you go through the most dramatic or intensive or uh, certain kind of circumstances together, those are the people that you tend to bond with. It's why the people that go to war together that are veterans, there's such, a, there's such a thing there. It's why your friends from college have this way, even though you probably outgrew each other decades ago, they have this way of sticking to you. The people that are with you during these intense experiences, it lasts for a long time. Yet they got to a point, we read it a moment ago in Acts 15, where they were ready to go on journey number two. So it's like, all right, we've waited, it's time, we're going to go back out, we need to start some more churches, we need to do some more ministry, more stuff needs to happen. And when they get ready, they're like, you know, I don't know, they're at like the kind of cruise ship terminal to get on the boat to go off to the next journey. When they get there, right about the time the trip is supposed to start, Barnabas is like, hey, um, I think we should bring that John Mark guy with us again. And Paul's like, you want to bring the guy that we was on the trip with us last time? And then... He was just kind of gone, poof. No, we're not, we're not bringing him with me. And so what's interesting is even though Paul and Barnabas have no issue with each other, their disagreement about a third person over here leads to them going their separate ways. And this is the end for Barnabas. We never see him again in the book of Acts after right here. I think that it shows us five things that I hope are helpful to you this story. And I want to show them to you from the text and hopefully illustrate them. I want it to be helpful to your life. One is this, uh, not every conflict is avoidable. Passivity is your enemy. There's a temptation amongst people of faith to equate niceness with holiness. I'm sure you've been around some of those people before. Uh, they tend not to be people that are super fired up about 
me, so we don't have a lot of them in this church, but you will find them in a lot of other places. There's people that think that niceness and holiness are the same thing. And what that comes down to is it's a vision of faith that is to be a Christian is to be willing to be run over. Or to be a Christian is to pretend that there isn't a problem when there is a problem or pretend that there isn't an issue when there is an issue. Some conflict is inevitable. And frankly, conflict is a healthy part of life. Uh, anyone who's been married or blessed to be married for more than like an hour knows that no matter how hard you try, you can't avoid some amount of conflict coming into the relationship. It's the how you handle it and being willing to handle it that's the thing. So look at the text. It just says, so Barnabas, verse 37, he wanted to take John Mark. But Paul, he thought it best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them and had not gone with them to the work. So, are we going to take him or are we not? Is this intersection that can't be gotten around otherwise? This isn't a message about compromise and this isn't a message about how to navigate people well. That's other stuff you can find in the Bible about that. Sometimes you can avoid conflict by just compensating for each other. But this wasn't one of those times. It was like, are we taking the guy with us on the trip or not? And the way that they settled it was, Barnabas took him and went on a different trip, and Paul went by himself. And we do better, we do better when we see conflict as sometimes inevitable, because often the longer we try to prolong not dealing with it, what happens? It gets bigger and it gets worse. You, you see this often uh, in relationships. Who would be willing to say in church today that when it comes to conflict, I'm the person who's kind of like um, ready, always pretty much ready to have the conflict at any time, whenever need be, I'm ready for it. Who's, who's that person, right? And who's the person who's like, if it was up to me, I'm like, if I can figure out a way to avoid it, I'm going to avoid it. And what's amazing when you look around the room is in almost every person that you see who's in the room with someone they're married to, almost always it's one of one and one of the other, right? Do you see it? It's always the same, right? And so there's this tension, and this is true in work relationships and church relationships and all different kinds of things. If we can avoid it, sure. But sometimes it's inevitable, and it is not godly to pretend that a problem isn't a problem or to hope that it'll go away. Do we agree? Two, uh, not every conflict, not every conflict has a clear right and wrong. Certainty is your enemy. I want to bring you back to uh, my little conversation with Lance a moment ago. Uh, while I ate one of my candies, here's the thing. Is that candy being good something that you can make an objective state of truth about? No, of course not. It's obvious. It's so obvious to be stupid. You go all kinds of places in our world. If you ever traveled the world, you'll see places and the things that other people eat, and you'll be like, that's gross. No, it's gross to you because you weren't raised with it. You haven't developed a taste with it. This takes a long time to chew. I didn't really think that through very well. <laughs> not that I'm going to stop, but... We've talked about this quite a bit. Uh, this text goes out of its way. Read it as many times as you want in as many different translations as you want. We don't know who was right. Was Paul right for saying the guy left us before, so I don't want to take him this time? Or was Barnabas right for saying, hey, I mean, it happened before, but we'll give him another chance. Your Bible isn't going to tell you which way is right in this particular situation. And there are some problems in life, we know, that are objective, right, and wrong. 
And on those things where the Bible is clear, we need to be strong. But if we're being honest, a lot more things are ambiguous or gray or there's a little bit more uncertainty to it than we often like to admit. And it is our enemy in conflict to bring this certainty that is, it's my way or the wrong way. Uh, have you ever met or worked with somebody, this is always a little tip, have you ever met or worked with somebody who, who said to you, listen, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to do this job? Almost always what that person is telling you is there's my way and a wrong way. It's like a little manipulation tool. Uh, the word that we see in the text there, you can put it up on the screen, where it says what John Mark did, or in the original thing that drew this, where it's translated in my Bible, withdrawn, is the word to desert or to leave or to fall or to withdraw. So just imagine what the possible reasons are that a person would go out on a trip to try to share the Bible or Jesus with a whole group of people and then decide midway through they're going to leave and go back to where they came from. It could be that he found, we don't know, you can search your Bible as long as you want. It doesn't tell us why John Mark left. It could be that he found out that his mom was sick and was about to die and he wanted to get home and see her before she died. It could be that he was scared of the persecution and so he ran off like a coward. It could be that he uh, was sick because he couldn't take the water and the food in the place where they were staying at the time and so he had to get out of there. We don't know why. We don't know why. And your Bible, our Bible doesn't tell us why, which should lead us to the conclusion that we don't want to opt for always having certainty when the Bible isn't requiring to give us certainty. So should we homeschool our kids or put them in Christian schools or should we put them in public schools? How should the household duties be split up in a marriage? Uh, I'm feeling frustrated that I feel left out of the in-group at work because I won't go to the bars with them after church, after work at night. I could list 500 more questions and all of these questions have tricky, nuanced, complicated answers that we can't do much about as long, what we can't do is opt for certainty because when we opt for certainty, we usually hurt a person even when we're trying to have a healthy version of conflict. Three, uh, not every conflict is solvable. We're going to the deep end here. Uh, codependency is your enemy. So notice what happens. It says that there arose a sharp disagreement. A sharp disagreement. Uh, that word there for sharp disagreement is used about Paul in a couple of uh, chapters ahead to describe him as being deeply provoked in his spirit or a deeply emotional response. If talking was going to get these two on the same page, something tells me they would have got on the same page, right? There is a sharp disagreement. And there was such a sharp disagreement, that's why the text says, verse 39, that they separated from each other. Again, because we have in our truest understanding of faith, the necessity of forgiveness and the necessity of trying again. Sometimes people of faith try to force relationships or people back together that maybe should just part. Paul and Barnabas both serve God well. Our Bible here doesn't say that they do anything wrong. And it got to a point where there was too much between them for it to be solved. And so they had the wisdom to know, we just got to go our separate ways at this point. Some disagreements force relationship-altering choices. Now, we sometimes get too easily deep into this. That doesn't mean, that shouldn't be confused with relationship-ending uh, consequences or choices. I'll talk about that in a minute. 
But sometimes you have to realize, me and my business partner, we just can't go forward. We have to part ways. Me and this person I'm dating, we just can't go forward. We have to part ways. Me and this uh, friend that I've been with for a long time, we've been like doing life together. We're just, it's just too different now. We have to go our separate ways. And having the wisdom to know when the relationship should part or change is a huge part of having conflict in a healthy way. Now, the obvious question that comes in here is what about when it feels like that is happening in a marriage? Uh, marriage is a different relationship than any other human relationship, I think for many, many, many obvious reasons. And often people of faith right at this intersection make two, what I would argue are both mistaken emphasis or choices. On the one hand, God's desire and design and heart is for every marriage that starts to be a marriage that continues. But that does not mean that God's desire is for a person to stay in a home where they're being hurt physically or they're being taken advantage of or they're being treated wrongly. And us as the church need to have the wisdom to say, is marriage important? Of course marriage is important, but that doesn't mean that God wants someone to be hurt. Church is notorious for forcing people back into situations that are unhelpful or unhealthy, and people get really hurt from it. At the same time, if Lance and I never talk again because we disagree about candy, that's not such a huge deal. A marriage splitting apart has consequences for generations to come, and it shouldn't be done lightly or because someone had like a bad week or a big disagreement. And finding that healthy middle ground is very challenging, and often it is because we struggle with codependency. What I mean when I say that, that can sound like a psychological term, but what I mean when I say that is, what I'm saying is this. Uh, when we want people to be for us what only God can be for us, we're hurting them and we're hurting ourselves. If you get one thing out of what I'm saying from the Bible today, get this part. Please get this part. I see so many parents wanting their kid to fulfill all their hopes and all their dreams and all the things I got wrong and all the this and that. And when you let your child become something for you that only God can be for you, you're going to hurt yourself. But here's the crazy part. You're going to hurt them too. None of us can withstand the expectation of being God for someone else. No matter how much we care about each other, we're going to let each other down. Can I get a witness? No matter how much we want to love each other perfectly and to love each other sacrificially and to, to do everything we can to help our spouse, to help our child, to help our business partner, to help our friend, when we allow relationships to become where we're like God for each other, I'm telling you, it's poison and it always hurts us in the end. And there's something kind of amazing that Paul and Barnabas had the wisdom to say, all right, we got to right here. We can't go any further from right here, so we got to go our separate ways. Four, uh, not every outcome from conflict is negative. Pess uh, pessimism is your enemy. Notice that although it was very painful, I'm sure, for Paul and for Barnabas that their partnership broke, at the end of it, the church had two mission teams out sharing the good news all over the Mediterranean, whereas before there was only one. And when we get into a place of brokenness in relationships, it can be so easy to fixate or to focus or to kind of like put my energy down on the part that hurts. But because God is good, he's always bringing good things even out of the bad things. 
Who around the room today, if you were forced to, could testify to a way in which you thought something that was so broken was so bad, but now you can look back and say God was working and doing something great in it all the time? Who could do that? All around the room, people are able to, of course, but we can't see it right in the moment. That's what's so hard. And so there's this need to lift up my eyes and to say, if it's broken with that person, God is going to bring something good. God is going to bring me to good places. I just have to do like a few really simple things. One, I have to give it time. That's how I see God's goodness in conflict. This is obvious, but I have to give it time. Implied in that is also I have to give other people time. Two, I, I have to wait for the perspective that comes with time. I'll talk about that in a second. And then three, God only brings the good things out of the painful things I go through if I go to him with the things that I'm dealing with. So one of the things that's so problematic about the way that our world operates today is so many people run away from God and away from church and away from healthy people, and then they can't understand why nothing good comes their way. This is why we prioritize getting to God's house and a whole bunch of other things. Five, and we're almost to the end now. This is the part I was maybe the most excited to share with you. Thanks for sticking with me. Uh, Five, not every opinion lasts forever. Date stamping is your enemy. So I want to take you out of Acts 15 now and show you what happens with Paul and Barnabas and these people from here. Uh, I have a little timeline that you can put on the screen. So when Paul and Barnabas went on the first missionary journey, uh, as best as we can tell, is 46 or 47 AD. That's like, for context, close to 20 years after Jesus went to heaven. And this split happens just a couple years after that. But then after the book of Acts ends, Paul is writing all these books that fill your Bible and fill your New Testament. I want to show you two little things that come up in the future. In the book of Colossians, and then in the book of 2 Timothy. In the book of Colossians, next slide, uh, you can see... This is Paul, and he's writing at the end of the book of Colossians. He says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. That's the Mark we're talking about here. Concerning whom you've received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. So then later, at the very end of Paul's life, 2 Timothy 4.11, this is the very last thing almost that Paul ever writes. He says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful. See it? to me for ministry. Go back to the timeline for just a second. Thank you so much. What happens? Over 17 years or something, it goes from no way am I getting on a boat with that guy, no way am I going on another trip with that guy, to get Mark over here. I could really use his help right now. It goes from I'm willing to give up my relationship and my partnership with my best friend because I'm not getting on another boat or another trip with that guy, to in the Bible... In God's holy word, get Mark over here. He can really help me. In the middle there, he was like softened enough to, hey, if, if Mark comes your way, try to help him out, all right? You welcome him as you would welcome me. But over time, it gets all the way to the guy that I couldn't stand to be around is someone I would really like to be near me. It's really important that in conflict, we realize that not everything that I feel so strongly about right this second I'm going to feel so strongly about in the future. And especially if you're a person who has a more emotional or kind of strong initial reaction and then things mellow out. Uh, that would be me. So I'll let you do with you whatever. Uh, 
well, I wrote it down in the notes this way, just because I feel strongly about it today doesn't mean I'm going to feel strongly about it next week or next year. So I got to temper the way that I communicate it. I was uh, talking on the phone to a, someone I really care about uh, on, the, uh, on Friday afternoon, and he was telling me this story. So I know, just stick with me. This is important, I think. He was telling me the story. He has a personality like mine where uh, he hears a lot of the things that are in his mind about the time that everybody else does, kind of like a real verbal-oriented person. And he was telling me this story about how my dear friend, uh, my cousin actually, he was telling me this story about how he had really offended someone in his family by something that he had said and forgotten all about it. And like two years later, he found out that his brother still had hurt feelings. Golly, I hope none of them are listening to this. Um, two years later, had really hurt feelings about something that could happen. He was like, I said it, and then I was mad, and then like 30 seconds later, I never thought about it again. But it stuck with him. And some of us, and this is all like personality and life stuff, people's words have a different way of sticking to us, and the things that we experience have different consequences to us than to other people. And we got to be so careful that no matter how angry we may feel at that boss right now, no matter how disappointed we may be in our mother-in-law at this second or angry at my sister right now, we got to be really careful that we don't let ourselves fall into the trap of thinking that just because I'm mad at them today, I'm always going to feel that way and just kind of write them off and throw them in the bin. Why? Well, I think for a bunch of different reasons. Um, I love this quote from Brian Stevenson, uh, the author of Just Mercy. I believe that each person is more than the worst thing they've ever done. See, the gospel that we believe in in Jesus, I'm a big Jesus person, I hope you're with me on that. The gospel that we believe in in Jesus requires of us that we don't just write people off and kind of throw them in the bin, no matter how much they hurt us or what mistake they make or what bad thing happens. Why? Because God doesn't do that to us. Three examples and then uh, the big finish. Uh, three pictures, put them all up on the screen at once. This is why it's so important that we don't fall into this trap. Uh, that dashing man on the uh, side there is John Bunyan, slave trader, owned ships that transported people all over the world for sale. Also the person who after conversion wrote Amazing Grace. His famous song ever written, even more than Hey Ya, or whatever. In the middle is, uh, that's Norma McCorvey. She is uh, the defendant in the Roe v. Wade abortion case who was fighting for the right 50 years ago to have an abortion and spent most of the last 30, 40 years of her life speaking on pro-life issues and how wrong she was. On the far side there is Daryl Strawberry. He's a famous baseball player who was known around the world for his drug addiction and crazy behavior in the 1980s who now gives one of the clearest and most beautiful gospel presentations of anyone that I know. There's three examples, and I could go around this room and point out a ton more. People are not just who they were over there because Jesus saves us and Jesus changes us and Jesus makes us who we weren't. And I'm so thankful that Jesus has done that for me. And we need, dear friends, to be willing to do that for other people. So no matter how bad it was with them over there, no matter how much they hurt you on that other side, no matter how much it is, we need to leave room for the reality that God wants to heal and make things better 
and minister to people and do things that we can't imagine. And so we don't have the luxury of being like, oh, yeah, he's a jerk. Don't worry about him. Maybe he is, but maybe God wants to save him just like he saved you and me. So the band's coming now. We're going to sing an amazing song before we're done. I just want to review this. I know today's message is practical. I hope it's helpful. Let me just review it all. Number one, this, not every conflict is avoidable. Passivity is your enemy. Two, not every conflict has clear right and wrong. Certainty is your enemy. Three, not every conflict is solvable right now. So codependency is your enemy. Four, not every outcome from conflict is negative. So pessimism is your enemy. And five, not every opinion lasts forever. Date stamping is your enemy. So, dear friends, right here, now we're at the end. God is going to keep on giving each one of us the challenge of navigating each other. The people in our families, the people at work, the people all around us. We don't have the luxury. If we want to be good news neighbors, if we want to bring who Jesus is to the people around us, we don't have the luxury of being bad at dealing with the difficult stuff and then showing up with the Jesus message. Most often, the way that people are going to see the Jesus that we believe in in us is by the way we handle the difficult stuff. So we got to get this right, and it requires a ton of wisdom, and it requires a lot of honest-seeking prayer, which is what I want to do right now. Would you bow your head with me? Maybe you could just bring to mind some of the challenging people or situations that you're dealing with right now. Lord, I uh, am asking that you would give us the wisdom to navigate the complicated things and people around us in a way that is honoring and blessing and pleasing to you, Lord. Help us not to lean on our own understanding, but help us to lean into you in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is good news.